Today on Ag News Daily. Well, it's really not hot rodding about farming. I used to build for many years. I had a shop that built race engines. What the agricultural community was doing was they were basically, you know, I'm not politically correct, they were basically running press releases from manufacturers. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here on this afternoon episode, I guess, of Ag News Daily. Joined, as always, by Delaney Howell. And Delaney, how are you doing today? Uh, still fighting a little bit of a cold, but otherwise not too bad, Mike. What about you? You know, about the same. I got a little bit of a sniffly nose I've been yeah. uh, dealing with for a couple of days. But such is winter in the Midwest, I suppose. I know. But it's been a pretty mild winter, so I'm okay with that. It has. It has. Got a little chilly today, and it looks like this yeah. little cold front's going to come through. Parts of Indiana expected to get some snow. But, yeah, at the end of the day, pretty chilled out in the relaxed form. Of, Honestly, uh, I feel pretty lucky because we really haven't gotten any snow. Right? Yeah, not in central Iowa. It's been very, very uh, dry. Well, yeah. it hasn't been dry. It's been rainy. Yeah, just no snow. Yeah. Yeah, no complaints there. Well, there we go. It means it'll hit at the most inopportune time. Of course it will. It'll be while you're waiting to fly out, we'll get a blizzard or something. I'm trying to go give a speech and there's a blizzard. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it happens. Of course. And flights to and from Des Moines always seem to be the first ones canceled. Well, because probably that's not a high-velocity uh, flight. Well, I think the velocity of the aircraft is about the same. You know, they've got to hit I such meant, and such a sorry, speed. Sorry, high volume. There's not a lot of high volume. <laughs> I know what you meant. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah, thanks. But let's see. Hey, we've got good news here for growers who are maybe having a hard time getting into their FSA offices before the shutdown closed yes. it. Secretary Sonny Perdue came out yesterday and said that they will extend the deadline to get your production records in to qualify for your MFP payments um, for an unannounced amount of days. Basically, um, once the government starts yeah. back up then he will extend the deadline, which was January 15th. He'll extend it from December 28th to whatever day it reopens, a commensurate yep. number of days. Yep, that's exactly what I had to. Yeah, yeah. So that is that is good news. So get those production records in order. So as soon as they open those doors back up, you can get in there and get your, uh, your Trump change. Yep, that's right. Free money. Yeah, well, you know, it's, you're paying taxes. It's not free, no. but... okay. You know, we're paying interest on it. But, you know, at the same time, we're not paying interest on our balance sheets on mm -hmm. it. So go get it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, got a little bit of news here out. Not a ton of news, but starting to hear some trickles uh, about what happened in the negotiations going on in China. They finally are ending those on, they finally ended those on Wednesday. So they did end up having the one day extension to those trade talks. And it looks like, they are going to be meeting again uh, February 5th through the 11th, just after the Chinese New Year. It sounds like Vice Premier Liu He is planning to visit Washington, D.C. So uh, with this round of trade talks, it sounds like we had a couple of things that came about. The first one is a vague statement, but basically U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer said that any deal needs to include, quote, ongoing verification and effective enforcement don't know exactly what that means. Uh, apparently the U.S. is going to decide what that means and report back on the next steps when they have that next meeting in Washington, D.C. However, we did see, and investors have welcomed, signs of optimism for trade. We saw stocks rose, raise globally 
after those meetings, with the S&P 500 index rising for the fourth day to its highest close in almost a month. But like I said, as far as the nitty-gritty, we really don't have a lot of details about what came out from that meeting. Yeah, there was a pledge from Beijing to buy a, quote, substantial amount of agriculture, energy, and manufactured goods, but there was no details on what that substantial amount actually is. Is it substantial compared to what they've bought so far this year, especially as we look at soybeans? If so, then, you know, that might not be a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Is it substantial compared to what they typically buy? Then, you know, this could be a game changer. But like you say, we'll probably just have to sit around and wait until those February meetings come into focus. In the meantime, no tariffs were dropped either on Chinese shores or on American shores. So things kind of just stay as the status quo, it sounds like. Yes, that is what it sounds like at the moment. Pretty hush-hush. Yeah, yeah, pretty hush-hush, but, you know, at least nobody's coming out of their cussing, so things must be going (laughs) somewhat comfortably. Right, or they've just all agreed to uh, keep it on the DL. Which is good news. I mean, it's better than having, you know, a bad deal come out early and sink in the markets even further. I suppose that is true. However, talking about things that are sinking or affecting the markets, got a little bit of news here about Brazil's soybean and weather crop. Of course, they're a big producer of corn and soybeans, as we all know. As of Monday, 58% of the crop was in good condition compared to 80% on December 17th. So we're definitely seeing some weather take its toll on, um, on the crop down there in Brazil. Yes, yes, we are. As we talked about with uh, with Ed Valley there at the end of last week, it's starting to matter. And it looks like this dryness is expected to persist at least through the month of January, according to some of those recent model updates. Yes, but we won't know for sure on production estimates or anything like that, since we're not going to have a, a WASD report, at least any time in the near future. Right, right. Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll be that February is the next time we get actual numbers. Who knows? Um, But we do have some news still happening in D.C. Today, President Trump officially nominated Andrew Wheeler to head the EPA. Uh, Director Wheeler's been in that position since uh, Scott Pruitt stepped down, and now he is uh, nominated for the official role. He won't just be acting secretary or director or Chief, EPA chief. I get all those titles confused. <laughs> I know. They got to streamline them. Administrator, I think, is actually maybe the right title. Well, it says chief in. Oh. Uh, but chief. maybe that's just. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's just slang. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest with you. I don't care. A bunch of bureaucrats. <laughs> the head bureaucrat. <laughs> Speaking of the EPA, they have officially decided to withdraw proposals that they had previously sent in for review under the Office of Management and Budget to lower the minimum age of farm workers and certified applicators who handle pesticides. Wait, say that again? They are withdrawing that proposal to lower the minimum age of farm workers. Okay. I think we've I think maybe you brought this piece up a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So it sounds so like So now you so they're not going to let younger farm workers spray that's the the gist of it yes correct okay. they're not going to lower the minimum age i think it's 18 okay. right now isn't it 18 or 21 and i think they were going to go to 16 yeah i think it's eight i think you can get an applicator's license when you're 18 okay so they are not going to lower that age okay 
Well, there you go. If you were planning as a 16-year-old to go out this summer and make some money doing some custom applications, you can't. Game over. You can't. You can detassel sweet corn. Well, yeah, yeah. You can do some other stuff, obviously, but you can't do that. Right. Do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> Is that from a Name movie? Name that artist. No, I can't. It's a song. Come on, Delaney. That's Meatloaf. Um, <laughs> wait, there's a band or a group called Meatloaf? A singer from Minnesota, and his name is Meatloaf. Yes. That's the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I would do anything for love. Nope. So many great tunes. Nope. No idea. So many great karaoke-worthy tunes. Oh, well, I do like karaoke. Well, yeah, then you'll have to learn some Meatloaf. Because he's got a couple <laughs> duets that are oh. definitely worth doing. Are they male and female duets? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe I learned that for that. Okay. Okay. All right. Listeners, it, how sad is this? The lady doesn't know who Meatloaf is. <laughs> Listeners, if you don't know who Meatloaf is, chime in. Maybe I'm the odd one out here. Maybe I'm, you know, showing my age here. Find us on social media at Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Ag News Daily and let us know who's your favorite karaoke singer. Who do you like to... What? Mine is Shania Twain or the Dixie Chicks. Oh, okay. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite Shania Twain song? Uh, well, if I'm doing a duet, then Party for Two. Okay. Otherwise, man, I feel like a woman's always a good like a one. Yeah. Okay, that's what yeah. I was going to figure. Yeah. Gotcha. What's your favorite karaoke gotcha. tune? Barry Manilow, Copacabana. Interesting choice. Absolutely. You can put on a little show for the ladies in the crowd while you're singing, <laughs> you know, get some oh, panties. It's a, it's a win and deal, you know. That's nice. You Real get to nice. ham it up a little bit. Absolutely. That's right in your forte, right up hey, your... Yes, it is. I yeah. can't sing very well, but I can showboat. That you can. Absolutely. Oh, well, Delaney, I tell you what, we're kind of stretching this out here because yeah. I am out of news. Do you have any other news we need to get to before we jump to the markets uh, and our fun conversation? We do have a really fun conversation coming up, so I encourage folks to stay tuned, fellow podcaster and uh, ag journalist, reporter, writer, whatever you'd want to call him. But I do have one other quick piece of news. Speaking about showboating, we're still seeing Congress showboating around uh, – deciding what they're going to do with the budget and a bunch of other issues, hopefully getting this shutdown rolling. I think as of, I think Friday, I uh, mistakenly misspoke yesterday. I think Friday will be when it becomes the longest shutdown in the history of our uh, government. But House Democrats are setting the stage to move a bill forward next week, which would provide some relief aid, about a billion dollars worth in aid, to farmers who lost crops and trees this year, this past year, to hurricanes. Hurricane Michael, of course, uh, being the biggest one there that we saw producers being impacted by. The bill will contain higher coverage limits set by cotton growers, peanut growers, peach growers, etc. So the House Rules Committee has set a deadline for this Friday for lawmakers to file possible amendments to get that through. Okay, well, we'll keep our eyes open, maybe get some relief down there to those growers in the southeast. Absolutely. Mike, that is all the news I have for today. So why don't we see where the markets ended for today? 
Let's do just that. And folks, our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, give them a call. Get some help with your risk management on the farm. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit their website at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. We've got green in the grains today. Starting with the corn market, March corn was up two cents at 382 even. The May contract also up to at 390. In soybeans, the rally is back on after yesterday's sell off the January contract up five and a quarter cents at 911 and a half the March up five and a half cents to close at 924 even Chicago wheat the March contract was up two and a quarter cents at 520 even the May up two and a half cents to finish at 526 even jumping over to livestock we saw weakness in the cattle complex today February live cattle down 50 cents at 124.80 the April down 35 at 125.80 in feeder cattle, the January contract was down 80 cents at 146.82 and a half. The March down 55 at 144.90. Strength today in lean hogs, the February contract up $1.17 and a half to close at 63.77.50. The April up $1.52 and a half to finish at 67.55. Quick look over at the dairy market. In class three milk, the January contract down four cents at 14.04 with the February down eight to close the day at 14. 33. Now, without further ado, let's take the conversation over and meet with the Hot Rod Farmer. Well, folks, today we're very excited. We are taking a trip audibly over to New Jersey. We're talking to Ray Bohax. A lot of you know him from Successful Farming Magazine. You know him from the Successful Farming Television Show. He is the engine man. He's the Hot Rod Farmer. Ray, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I always enjoy your show. I catch it whenever I can. So it's an honor to be on the air with you today. Well, before we get into all the stuff that you're doing now, the successful farming stuff, Farm Machinery Digest, Idle Chatter podcast, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Ray Bohax history because you're the hot rod farmer. How did you get that name? What is hot rod about farming? Well, it's really not hot rodding about farming. I used to build for many years. I had a shop that built race engines, so I had both one foot in the automotive industry and one foot in the agricultural community because we uh, had a family farm for many years. We raised sweet corn here in New Jersey. So when I wanted to uh, start my podcast and my Farm Machinery Digest website, I figured, you know, I, I, I still wanted to keep a foot in each, and I know a lot of farmers are into cars and into different types of racing. I predominantly built drag race motors, so I figured, hey, you know, it would be uh, I could be the hot rod farmer, and part of that is also because my last name is so hard to pronounce. <laughs> so, uh, so I figured, you know, people could say, that's the hot rod farmer, and uh, or I could say, you know, listen to my podcast, I'm the hot rod farmer, so that's how it came about. But I built race engines for many years, and I also uh, – was a, a test engineer for BMW of North America. Their engineering department is in New Jersey, and I had a, a contract with them, and I uh, did road testing for engine and uh, driveline calibration. So I was always always into cars, always into cars, into farming, so I put them together. Wow, you are a man of many hats. Ray, I want to ask you about sweet corn farming in New Jersey. When I think about it here in Iowa, I think just, you know, a lot of farmers will plant maybe an acre or two or a couple of gardens worth of sweet corn production. What does sweet corn production on your operation look like? It's really not impressive. Are we, our farmers are 100 acres, uh, which is 
it's a, it's a, I would say an average size farm for New Jersey, but uh, we put about 10 to 12 acres of sweet corn and we do fresh market sweet corn. So a lot like your folks out there in Iowa, we usually plant an acre to an acre and a half at a time and I do eight to 10 plantings. So that's, oh, okay. we sell it. We sell it predominantly roadside. We do have some wholesale accounts that we do uh, supply, and a lot of the a lot of the wholesale goes to uh, New York City, where they have um, you know the trend with farmers markets. But the interesting thing is that we do hand harvest. So all our corn is, I guess you would call it artesian corn, right? Because it's <laughs> it's hand harvest. We do we hand pick and we carry it out of the field on our back in burlap bags. So it's a, a good workout. Absolutely. Keeps you busy all summer, I bet. How do you find time, Ray, then, between the sweet corn, 8 to 10 plantings, 8 to 10 harvest, harvesting with a burlap sack? How do you find time to do all the writing and the podcast recording that you do? Well, uh, the podcast is, re- is relatively new. I really just started after, har- after harvest, so I could give you an update next year and see how that works out. But with my, uh, with my uh, writing career, as far as the automotive and agricultural magazines, I'm blessed because I uh, usually have all of my assignments in advance, and then I just pull them ahead. And then I know that once I get to a certain point that I'm, you know, I, I tell my, my clients that I'm taking my hat off and I'm becoming farmer Ray, and I won't be writer Ray till after harvest and my cover crop is in. So that's what I, uh, that's, that's how I'm, I'm working it. And with the podcast, uh, I guess I'll just try to do uh, maybe one or two of them a week ahead of time uh, prior to uh, the harvest season. The growing season isn't too demanding. It's the harvest season. So it should, it should work out by God's grace. Yes, hopefully. So, Ray, we uh, talked a little bit here before we started recording the podcast today about your story, getting into writing. How did you ever get hooked up with successful farming? Well, I was, I, as I said, I was always involved in agriculture. We had the family farm, and I loved both. But I had a, a mental tug of war of which I, I loved more the auto industry or agriculture, and I've come to see that I loved agriculture more. But the impetus for me to uh, get involved with the successful farming magazine, and which morphed into my Farm Machinery Digest uh, website and podcast, was there was a great decline in the publishing industry, uh, in the automotive publishing industry, at the tail end of the recession. Uh, that industry, the the automotive publishing industry is, usually has a lag effect. So when the economy goes bad, you still do a right. And when things start to turn around, then it, that's when you start to feel it because advertisers had dropped out during that time. So I was frustrated because I felt that the farm publications were not doing a good job of explaining machinery to the agricultural community, all aspects of it. So I uh, took my New Jersey chutzpah, uh, which is a Jewish term for, uh, for, for, I guess, gutsy, and I contacted Successful Farming Magazine, and I sent them a package with writing samples, and I basically told them that they were doing an excellent job on everything else but the machinery, and uh, I did not hear from them. And <laughs> the, next on my, the next from my list was the Progressive Farmer, and then I was going to go down to Farm Journal for no particular order, but Successful Farming and Progressive Farmer were my two favorites. No offense, Farm Journal, but um, and then I contacted uh, Progressive Farmer and I, uh, Greg Hillier there, who was a great guy, and he basically called me back immediately. It was knee-jerk. And then he said, yes, you're 100% right. And because uh, I basically 
just changed my letter from successful farmer to progressive farmer. And uh, he said, you're 100% right. We need to do a better job on this, and I'll be in contact with you. And I never heard from him again. <laughs> so, uh, so I said, okay, let's, and something told me, I said, go back to successful farming. And what had happened was that I sent the same package back to successful farming with a, with a quick note on top of it saying I sent this a month or so before and did not hear anything. And it was just at the time when they were changing publishers. So I guess my uh, package got lost in the mail. But at this time, Dave Mowitz had a knee-jerk reaction and contacted me, and we spoke on the phone, and that's how I uh, got involved with them. So, Ray, what was it about the ag media? How were they not covering mechanical issues in the way that you wanted? What, what, have, what have you brought to the table that's different than what they were doing before? I told them, and, and, I, and I will still say this today to everyone, uh, is that I told right back uh, in 2012 when I contacted Successful Farming, I basically said that they needed automotive-style magazine technical articles about machinery and if anyone who's listening to this is a car guy and reads you know reads you know hot rod magazine or car craft or anything of that nature you could see that their that their technical articles are very in detail and they will and they will address a certain subject on obviously in the car magazine about cars or engines what the agricultural community was doing was they were basically uh, you know I'm not politically correct they were basically running press releases from manufacturers you know John Deere has a yeah. new combine and it's got 682 horsepower, and it's great. You know, and that's basically it. And uh, there was nothing. There was nothing technical grease under your fingernails. And the reason why I felt that that was important for the farmer or rancher or anybody in agriculture to learn about their equipment is that I feel, and I and I'm adamant about it, that success on the farm or ranch is a three-legged stool. It's agronomy or animal husbandry. It's your marketing, no matter what crop you are. And the third aspect of it is understanding your machinery. I'm not trying, and I'm not saying understanding machinery, how to drive a combine. I'm understanding your machinery and how to maintain it and how to repair it. And and just to be uh, knowledgeable about it, because you could have great yields, you could have great marketing, but if you blow up all the engines to be ridiculous on your farm equipment, you have a, you have a, a, a ledger book that's, that's, that's got brackets on it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think that that, you know, and to me, you know, machinery failures, because, because as an engineer, machinery failures, I'm not saying that things don't break, but lots of times the farmer looks at machinery failures as just something that he throws his hands up like a hailstorm. Well, I can't do anything about it. And that's really not the case. And uh, I just really think that for you to be successful, because, you know, it's not, and as I said, I gave a speech two years in a row with Commodity Classic, and on the main stage, I basically said, you know, it's not what you make. It's not what your farm generates. It's what you keep. And if you're not knowledgeable about different aspects of repairing and maintaining, you may not repair it yourself, but being knowledgeable about your machinery, then uh, you're going to see that 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 farm shop is a large drain on your cash flow. So, Ray, yes. when you when you say that you're a technical writer for both automotive and agriculture, I'm not sure that I understand exactly what that means. Are you writing then about how to repair equipment? Are you writing about how engines work in equipment? Walk me through what a technical writer is for uh, manufacturing or the machinery industry. Okay, the, the short answer is yes to your, <laughs> your two statements. So the thing base is, uh, for instance, uh, 
let's say if someone to go to my website, agriculturefarmmachinerydigest.com, uh, I'll have an article on there, an understanding of what, why a, a hydraulic pump could cavitate, what the signs of pump cavitation are, and what you need to do to eliminate that. So most pieces of farm equipment have uh, hydraulic pumps. And those, those pumps are, are very expensive, and they usually fail at the most inopportune time. Uh, so I try to take, in, in engineering, you would say, well, in anything, you would say there's the empirical and the theoretical. And I try to balance in my writing some empirical things so the person has an understanding of how something works and then, uh, and then uh, how it works and how to repair that or how to check that. And then the theoretical would be how something actually, the design of how it functions. So it's a combination of both. And, and I'm, I'm humbly saying this, that within the auto industry that I was, uh, I was blessed because I was able to take the empirical and blend it into the theoretical. And uh, many years back, in the, our farm is about 60 miles from New York City, and there was a, a men's clothier called Cy Sims, and he had, was very dynamic advertising on the radio and the TV, and I stole his tagline. Uh, he's passed away now, but I stole his tagline. He used to say, the educated consumer is his best customer, and because he sold a better line of men's clothes, and he felt that if you were educated on that, you would see the value in it. And I changed that, and I modified it, and I took poetic license and say, the educated farmer is the most profitable. He needs to understand if he's getting an engine rebuilt, what needs to happen? He needs to understand how a pulse with modulated circuit works on a, a, a modern sprayer like a Case IH with the AIM command system. They need to understand this, they, and they need to understand what's going on and how, how it works and how, if necessary, to diagnose it and possibly fix it. So that's what I am all about, and that was not happening in the industry. Well, and so you started that off working with Successful Farming, of course, or the Engine Man. People have seen you on the TV show there. But you've mentioned a couple times your website, Farm Machinery Digest. Tell us a little bit about how you're taking this combination of the theoretical and the practical, and you're putting it out there on the website. I'm putting it out on the website. I have uh, in a number of different ways uh, because – uh, as respectful and, have, and grateful I am and enjoy working with Successful Farming is that in the magazine business that you know, we, would call them, uh, we would call them a horizontal book, a horizontal magazine. So they, take, they, have, they talk about agronomy, they talk about, about marketing, they talk about succession of the farm. So they're taking the agricultural concept and they're spreading it all out and they're compartmentalizing it in different areas, which is great. And they do a wonderful job at that and so do the other publications. But what I wanted do uh, was make a vertical uh, a vertical magazine and, and I'm saying a magazine a website where all I am interested in or all I am discussing is the machinery aspect of the farm and I think it's a lot like and, I, and I'm saying this I'm using the word humbly again also I it's really so unique that I think that the if you go to my website and you look around and you look under the different tabs, you'll see that there's, there's articles about, I, I have a series called Getting to Know. So, for instance, uh, like I'm going to be working um, with, with uh, New Holland about doing an article on getting to know their new forage harvester. So I'm going to meet with them and then go over different aspects of the forest harvest. For, 
forage harvester and discuss that. I have what's called a learning tab, which will, uh, under the learning series, which basically are theoretical articles. And then I have a lecture hall series, which is actually a audio version of an article. So for instance, uh, I have an article here called Tin Knocker, and it's leak-proofing sheet, uh, engine sheet metal. So it's, it's very broad-based, and, and to tell you the truth, it's something that has not been out there within the agricultural community. So it's like, a lot like the Grand Canyon. You've got to see it to really know what's going on. It's hard to describe it. And I'm not, take, I'm not copying out on it, but it's hard for me to explain it. You really need to see what's going on on that website. Yeah, absolutely. So folks, you can check that out at farmmachinerydigest.com. Ray, final question for you. We haven't really talked about it too much. You've touched on it, but you've got the Idle Chatter podcast, which you mentioned you started here just after harvest. If I listen to the Idle Chatter podcast, what am I going to hear? You're basically going to hear a guy with a New Jersey accent <laughs> telling you about different aspects of, uh, of, of farm machinery. So for instance, this week's uh, podcast is and because of my magazine writing background, I try to give them all a catchy title as a hook. And this week's podcast is called Born Again, Resurrecting That Old Gas Engine. There's not a farm that I've been to that doesn't have some sort of old gas engine, a grain truck and an old tractor or something sitting behind the barn, and they parked it. It ran, it ran poorly, and they don't use it anymore. So that's, an order, that's this week's podcast. Uh, last week's podcast for January was a short one, and it was almost like a motivational podcast. It was, and I called success is a choice and not a condition, and how you need to have the proper mindset in the farm shop, and you need to be open-minded to be able to, uh, to be successful. Uh, a very popular one I did just before Christmas was uh, putting an end to your meter madness. Modern farm equipment is all electronically controlled, and the fact of the matter is that 99% of the people don't know how to use a voltmeter. And if you don't know how to use a volt-ohmmeter properly, you're, never, you're going to be at a loss to try to even fix the simplest thing in your farm shop that's electrically uh, controlled. So there's is a whole array of different topics, and I usually take one topic, and then I will expand upon it. And then at the end of the podcast, I have a segment called Special Delivery that is sponsored by Firestorm. Stone Ag, and that is where I get letters from people who send it into the uh, website, and they ask questions, be it something technical or how uh, something on a machine works, or to help them diagnose something. So uh, there's there's no lack of topics. Basically, <laughs> I a friend, uh, a one of the uh, one of the uh, listeners to the podcast uh, gave me a compliment that I. That I, that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Some friends of the Hefties of the Ag PhD show and radio, and basically they, they listened to my podcast. They said, you know what you are? You are the Hefty brothers, but singular, of the machinery end of it. And since I hold those guys in high esteem, and they've taken agronomy and different aspects of agronomy and brought it to the farmer uh, in simplistic terms over the past 20 years, is that if you, I basically followed their model of saying, I'm going to take different aspects of machinery or working on machinery or equipment or what have you, and take that same approach. Well, that is Absolutely. very neat. Yeah. And I'm going to have to listen to the Resurrection podcast because I've got a VAC case with a little 14 horsepower gas engine that has been giving me fits for about four years and tune into it and focus up. But Ray Bohax, Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, and thanks for getting this information out there. For those of us like me who really don't have that mechanical leg to our stool, a little bit of help is always appreciated. So thanks for all you're doing for the ag industry. 
And thank you so much for you doing. You guys are doing a great job supporting the ag industry on the other two legs of the store. Well, Blaney, good conversation there, to be sure. And it, it is fun to listen to somebody with an accent that is a little different than what we hear typically in the Midwest. I like the New Jersey accent. I dig it. Well, good. Good. So, folks, check that out. Idle Chatter Podcast. You can uh, check it out any place you get podcasts. And, of course, check out the Farm Machinery Digest there, his website. He's got a lot of really helpful information. Yes. And uh, speaking of helpful information, Delaney, occasionally we spout some. How should listeners go about finding it if they've missed past episodes? Oh, occasionally we do have some. They can find us on the globalagnetwork.com that's globalagnetwork.com our new home there or if you still have Ag News Daily bookmarked I believe it will take you straight to our page you can listen to all our previous episodes you can also interact with us on Twitter and on Facebook if you have comments, questions, concerns want to share your favorite karaoke go-to tune feel free to find us at Ag News Daily there with that Mike should we let the people go? Let's let them go Let's let them go